0: Listening to CLNS Media powered by BetOnline.ag. Go to CLNSMedia.com/roll. Use our promo code CLNS50 for 50% off your first deposit.
1: Black and Gold Hockey Podcast with Mark Allred and Rob Tomlin. You can subscribe and rate our show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Player.fm, SoundCloud.com, and Stitcher Radio. You can support the show financially by going to blackandgoldhockey.com and clicking on the Fanatics.com banner before shopping online. You can also purchase exclusive Black and Gold Hockey Podcast merchandise in the official BG shop. And now, time to start the Bruins Hockey Talk. Enjoy the show.
0: Hello, Bruins fans, and welcome back to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Today's episode 138 is being recorded on July 28, 2019, and brought to you by show sponsor BetOnline.ag. This week we have a few Bruins related topics to discuss as the dog days of the National Hockey League off season continues. So, without further ado, let's get to the Boston Hockey Talk and welcome back guest. Heather Ingerson, back to the program. Hello. Heather, what
1: is up, my friend? I am just enjoying this beautiful Merrimack Valley. I can, is that Maine up there? <laughs> it probably It is, is Maine,
0: actually. You can see Maine. We are currently doing episode 138, the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. I, I believe this is the highest point in Essex County, Massachusetts.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, we, we both grew up in Amesbury, so this is a very uh, awesome moment for us. And any of you did, you probably walked up here in elementary school yeah. at some point. Oh, yeah.
0: Um, I I actually snowboarded this hill before it was a uh, ski tow, and now it's just developed and and, I don't know. But the view is beautiful. It's a great Sunday morning. We're here very early um, just because of the heat that's going on uh, this summer. So I'm not a heat person. The only time I like to be drippy and sweaty is in the hockey rink where it's kind of cool.
1: But other than that, I am not a summer person and I like to hibernate in my air-conditioned office. I don't like air conditioning, but I also don't like sunlight. Like, I can handle the heat. I just like you're a true vampire. My I friend. am a, va- I am a vampire. <laughs> that's true. I'm not wearing black though. That's a change. Yes, yeah, so I'm very excited. It's a nice, beautiful day out today, and I think it's a good idea. We're doing it like this. Absolutely gorgeous. I would love to do this more often. Um, this is
0: just—it's amazing. Eight uh, weeks it's till it it's snows. Snow. View, <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, let's get to the, the Boston Hockey Talk, um, just to keep the content going. We appreciate you listening. We appreciate you putting up with the, the in, um, inconsistencies of, of audio. We're working on it. Um, we're not doing the Skype. We're not doing the Zoom anymore. I want to do shows that are more in person, so we don't have any technical difficulties. If there's any technical difficulties, it's on the recording and not the communication. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, with that being said, I just we have some a couple topics that we're going to do, and a fun Q and A afterwards. Um, so, uh, recently, the the hockey news writer Jared Clinton's uh, article uh, projecting the Boston Bruins' protected list for the two thousand one expansion draft. This was actually brought up by a, a new listener. I'm I'm sorry, my friend. I am not at my desk. I'm not in my studio, so I do not remember the Twitter name or handle to give you credit for the question, but. Uh, regardless, it was a good one, and, and it brought up some uh, very interesting um, conversation when it comes to who are you going to uh, take um, or, or expose, in that matter. And uh, in the article, and I'm, I'm, I'm just going through, paraphrasing, kind of, uh, this exercise requires some important ground rules. The 2021 expansion draft will follow the same rules as the 2017 expansion draft, but some assumptions are necessary these are the guidelines followed. No no pre-draft trades. All no movement clauses are honored. Players who will become restricted free agents in 2020 or 21 remain with the current teams. Players who will become unrestricted free agents in 20 or 21 either remain in the current team or are left off the list entirely. E.g. Nicholas Backstrom, protected by the Washington Capitals. Tyson Berry, not protected by Toronto Maple Leafs or any other team. So, um, Jared Clinton of the Hockey News um, has seven forwards, three defensemen, one goaltender. And he lists as protected forwards, Patrice Bergeron has a no-movement clause. Brad Marchand has a no-movement clause. David Passenac, Jake DeBrusque, Danton Heinen, Charlie Coyle, Trent Frederick. The defenseman that he projected to keep is Tori Krug, uh, Charlie McAvoy, and Brandon Carlo. And, and I am not, uh, I'm not saying anything bad about his choices. Um, I, I mean, those are the types of people that you build a core on for your future, absolutely, in a situation like this. But the goaltender that they, he protected was Dan Bladar. I'm a huge Vladar fan. You know what I mean? But I just don't think that that's the right goaltender they should have uh, kept. And I believe Kyle Kaiser would have been the
1: one that I would have chosen. Yeah. I, uh, you know more about the goaltenders, but I thought Dan Vladar is supposed to be our next guy. That's what, that's, Right, yeah. so that's probably his thinking. Uh, to put it in context, though, for people who didn't necessarily read this article, this is all just obviously based on assuming, you know, Tory kruger Sign and all these other kind of factors, too, but... It's because of the formula, too. You have to protect certain people, but we're actually in pretty good shape of a lot of people will either have re-signed and not be exposed or whatever by the time we get to that point. But I'm actually not surprised by those choices. They made sense to me and probably what it will come down to, but who knows? Obviously, there's another two years between now and then.
0: Well, I went a little further into um adding to this and 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 thank you Jared Clinton for the for the article and the suggestion. Yeah, and obviously our Twitter um, our listener who suggested the question on Twitter. Um but I, I went a little extra to say who could be exposed and and out there for the uh Seattle whatever. Um so I uh, took he would be under his last year under contract. So um, Connor Clifton would be tough to see him exposed after he just signed a deal recently, a three-year extension. Uh, Steven Camper, he would be under, on his last year under a current contract. Matt Grizzlick, that would be his last year, but RFA rights. So he might be able to stick around. I'm not totally sure about that. Uh, John Moore, very attractive one to get rid of uh, for his salary reasons and so on. I know it's only $2.5 million. But uh, I think that moving forward, the Boston Bruins are going to be that type of team that they have
1: in the past couple of years. They're going to be a very cap-stricken team. Well, I think Seattle, it's good for them, though, too, because, like, we talk about, like, you know, John Moore, he's not a stud defenseman, but he's a good, solid, experienced defenseman. And that's what a team, like, literally when you're building a team out of nothing, those are the type of players you like to kind of have that first year to kind of help. You know, you're going to have young kids, you know. No I, one's ever, it's very rare that you start a team, you know, like right. usually you're so on a different team. Very rarely is it like now we're going to drop 20 people in a room and you're now a new team.
0: I, I believe the John Moore addition to the Boston Bruins wasn't a, a one that, that, of a savior type. I believe oh, it was more of a, um, just a filler. So uh, in, in that instance, and the way he's been playing and his injury history, which I'm not, I never say this to be mean about an injured player. I don't like seeing injuries. I don't like being injured myself. So it is what it is. But if you see a trend, i.e. Adam McQuaid, um, you, you know, those are, those are the types of contracts that you move on from. You, you need the player on the ice. Uh, I, I understand the whole locker room thing, but you also need to be uh, have a sustainable uh, presence on the ice and not be injured all the time. So, uh, but going back to the uh, list that could be exposed, Sean Corrale. Um He's a UFA after the 2021 season. David Backus, uh, the end of his contract, but he'd be exposed. And uh, another one that's interesting, and it keeps coming up, the Krejci lovers are going to kill me. I like Krejci. I do. He's a great player, but I see value everywhere. But he could be uh, exposed. He's under the last year of his contract, so I don't know if that's going to do anything good about shedding salary at that particular time. I just think it's a roster spot at that moment.
1: Part of the problem, though, with a uh, Krejci and players like that are if they have a no-movement clause, they have to... Like, I, after we had been talking about the draft, I'm like, I'm going to have to just Google and remember what the rules of the draft were. And one of the things that are is, like, if you're an RFA, you ha- you're protected to some level from exposure as opposed to if you're a UFA. But a no-trade clause for anybody means you have to waive that clause. Like, if for some reason we still, ha- you know have some of these older players. Some of them might opt out of that, but Krejci is an interesting one because who knows what will be happening, you know? But I don't know. I think we're too far out to really speculate because we have no idea who's going to sign. Like, all day long, I'm happy you want to keep Tory Krug. I just want Tory Krug to still be a Bruin. You yeah. know, if no, I hear you. If, Even if it's he's a Bruin until they decide to release him into the draft, you know? Uh, I don't know. It's oh. hard to expect it. it. was a good article, and it's fun to think about. But, like, the Tuca Rask one, like, I don't remember if it was uh, Cliff, Mr. Clipson's article or if it was just something I was reading. But, like, Tuca Rask is an unrestricted free agent, right? So, technically, yes, someone might want to scoop him up. But everyone else is going to be dumping. I was a little surprised on the goaltenders that Vegas took, you know, kind of thing. So you never know. And also... Tuca in two years, they might decide. Okay, you last, you know, maybe it might be want two years and done, and they just pay him his money. Also, if he doesn't go, they can just resign him. That's what I think the rationalization was with Dan Vladar. Or I mean, no, it's not your choice, but there's a lot of different factors. That, I mean, it also depends not just on who you don't protect, but on what Seattle needs to do because they have to like spend sixty percent of the cap. Things like that. All the they have to keep twenty players that are at least signed through 2001, 21, 22. So maybe you don't necessarily want not that on just on our team, but like players that may if you re sign them. It's going to be interesting to see what happens in the year between. Yeah. Because it's not that I'm not trying to have an answer, but
0: no. But the the article I wasn't put, surprised. Put forth, but
1: right. But the article put
0: forth by uh, Mr. Clifton is, you know. It's in. A, it's, it's actually a good time to get the speculation going because it's going to be it, the expansion draft is going to come faster than many think.
1: Right, but we'd also don't know if Carlo and McIlvoy right. are going like, to be. How here. can we protect right. these three exactly. defensemen? We don't even know if they're exactly. going to be our defensemen. So. But
0: more or less, it's highlighted by who the Bruins should keep and, yeah. and and that core that we still have from 2011, but also integrate others into a new core to build for a new goal. So,
1: Well, and it's interesting just the way that the Bruins' contracts are either our cap space like Seidenberg or Beleski's contracts are leaving, things like that. We are gaining money. Yeah. They'll ha- we're going to finally be back to having normal draft, you know, at least at this point, seven rounds pretty soon. We're going to have a lot of things we can work with. We might be able to work out because there's all sorts of – I think it's interesting about the expansion draft as much as I feel like we overexpand – Is that the trade? It's almost like a trade deadline and the draft all at the same time, you know, like just crazy. How much it took like five hours to draft 20 people with Vegas. Oh, the first, yeah. But I think it's interesting because the way the Bruins contracts are right now is you can kind of finally make a decision on some of these people of who you want to keep around or not because contracts are expiring, the young kids don't quite need their money, you can kind of look at the "Quote unquote," kids in the system because who knows who will be in the system at that point. I mean, you kind of know. I was surprised, like Trent Frederick. He's the one that you picked, not because I don't think Trent Frederick's fine. I don't think he's going to end up on on the Bruins if he keeps going. But he was surprising to me because we do have. To me, I feel like we have a lot of guys that can do the same thing coming up through the system. Right. So, but as for like John Moore, I don't think it was more. It wasn't supposed to be a savior. He was supposed to solve the problem of our defense always being injured the and having someone game. with some... Yeah, like, we yeah. need someone who's, yeah, in the middle. Like, he's not as speedy as the young... You know, like Grizz or Crew coming out of there. But he also isn't... Uh, he's more of a shutdown defenseman in that way. If he He's going to help you control that neutral zone better, and that's what he's supposed to do. And I think, like Camper, like, he does his job when he steps in. He knows what his role is. And if he's gone, great. If not, again, he's not around that long either, so... All these contracts, I think that's the thing that's hard to decide. As exciting or nerve-wracking as it might be, who knows who will even be on the team. We don't know that something might not happen that creates a situation that maybe someone gets injured or traded or whatever. Like, we don't know. So... Sorry, I feel like I'm not being helpful on this no, subject. No, it's really fine, fine. I think more for You're me, so too, so helpful is, just sitting here well, with talking Well, what I mean, though, is Archie. that, like, I think there's Looking some things, like, people, if you don't know what the draft, like, every team has to get... Like, you can only protect seven forwards, three defensemen, one goaltender, or eight skaters, forward and defense, and a goaltender, but that depends. Then there's all these weird rules, like... No trade clause, you have to waive your right, which a lot of people did for the Vegas draft because it was kind of exciting. They were like, all right, fine, you don't want me here anyway, so let's do it and see what the new opportunities could lead for both of us. There's also, like, if you're a restricted free agent, you can't be exposed unless you've already gotten your, like, you know, contract sheet or whatever, like offer from your current team. There's all these different rules, and it's hard to see what the league is going to look like in another year, let alone this team. Uh,
0: absolutely totally agree on all those points um let's take a quick break here from our show sponsor betonline.ag as we said about several times in this episode 138 of the black and gold hockey podcast it is a gorgeous day in Amesbury Massachusetts today and um just want to if you could actually bet on the weather I bet you the guys at betonline.ag would absolutely have fantastic odds on having a gorgeous day like this so uh even though the hockey season is over and training camp activities are about two months away, there's still many sports worldwide to keep your interests like Major League Baseball, golf, and soccer. So if your confidence is high and feeling lucky, we suggest one website that's unlike no other. Get in on the action, grab the odds, and allow the experts at BetOnline.ag to do the heavy lifting for you. Sports, live betting, virtual casino, you name it. BetOnline.ag is CLNS Media's preferred sportsbook online. Please support our Black and Gold Hockey Podcast by going to clnsmedia.com slash Bruins and use code CLNS50 for 50% back after your first deposit. That's clns50 at clnsmedia.com slash Bruins. Betonline.ag. Your online sports book expert. And we're back. Um, Yeah, (laughs) and... As we continue to look for more content, um, this is a very interesting article to me, um, and I read it in the past couple days, but I definitely wanted to bring it into this show because, just like I said, it adds content, and it's very interesting. But uh, our very own Black and Gold Hockey Podcast affiliate website writer, Liz Rizzo, wrote a fantastic piece on Saturday, July 27th, about former Bruins player and barrier breaker Willie O'Ree as he's... Be- being lobbied by U.S. Senators Tim Scott of South Carolina and Debbie Stabenow of Michigan, alongside NHL representatives for the 83-year-old O'Ree, a Fredericton, New Brunswick, Canada native, native, to be the next congressional gold medal winner for for his work, uh, getting all races on earth involved in the game of hockey. Uh, Ove Oree was inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame in 2018 as a builder of the sport. Um, when you when you talk about when you think about the growth of the of the sport of hockey, how important is it to have people like Willie Oree that are, go out there and advocate for
1: everybody can play? I think it's important, not just any sport, but I think hockey in particular, because hockey even though it's, you know, the NHL has done a good job of trying to help grow it with USA Hockey, you know, whatever, I think that hockey is a very regional sport. And when you grow, you know, he's a Canadian kid, so obviously he probably had more access to hockey. But everyone has access to baseball. Like, all kids play baseball. All kids have access to football and basketball. But not all kids can play hockey. But I think it's important to see that, like, not for nothing, but hockey isn't just like, a white, Canadian, Minnesotan, Bostonian kid thing, and that there are other kids. And because... And I don't think it's necessarily a barrier thing, because like you said, Mr. O'Reilly has worked for, what, 60, 70 years now almost at breaking down these things. I think it's important that people see diversity. If you don't feel like you're going to fit into something, why would you try it? Or even just the idea of every kid should have access to be able to play. You know, like, Willie O'Ree and others like him go out there, and it's like, if you put the rink in your community, and we'll get the... If you can't get the kids the equipment, we'll help them get the equipment, this and that. If you build it, they will come. It's important to have... Even, like, I think, until they get a little older. It's very important that, for me, that the... Girls and boys play together because it creates like a, it grows the community, the ideal sense of we're all included, you know, it's important that kids that have money that can more readily access an expensive sport like hockey have just as much access and uh, everybody can come and play as the kid who maybe has the third hand down of the skates and the, you know what I mean, and one of the other parents go out and make sure they have a solid helmet just to help out because the yep. family can't afford it, but this kid loves this. You know, I think it's important that all kids know that they have a place that they are welcome and that they can have fun and grow, yeah. whatever their love of anything is, whether that's a dance class, an art class, theater, weightlifting, ninja warrior. I don't know. Well,
0: so it's like the Bruins, too, and they've learned to play You know, yeah. lately. They've been really advocating on getting kids involved. They do have um, a deck hockey rink. Um I wanna say it's in the Brighton area, it's some, somewhere closer to Boston. I'm not exactly sure where it is. I know Chara was there to to christen the uh the event. But um yeah, I mean it's important for all um all genre, all genres. I can't even say that word. Gender. <laughs> Gender and um and uh, you know, sexuality and everything. Everybody can get involved and play this game because it's it's a really great sport. It's it's so much to learn. Uh, you just really tap into it, and, and trust me, if you have not been to a game and you're not a hockey fan, I guarantee after that
1: first game you've gone to, you will be hooked. It's just a great sport. So, I also think it's just generally important to see adults be kind and giving and oh, yeah. example, oh. you know, lead by example to kids like. Uh, people complaining, you know, kids are rude, they're bratty, they're entitled to it. Well, that comes from the adults first because we learn our behaviors from the adults around us when we're children. So the more access that kids have to people like Mr. O'Ree, you know, spokespeople like that, that for anything that go out and talk, uh, good coaches that are really believe in the philosophy we're a team first, you know what I mean, and all this, that, that is what develops kids into good human beings, let alone good hockey players or baseball players or whatever. So, to me I think that's the thing. Also to honor someone who like we all know who Jackie Robinson is, right? And I am not af- absolutely not being sacrilegious because I love Jackie Robinson. He was important. But he's just the most famous of the people who helped change just not just sports, but the social structure and the whatever of uh, our world, North America, South, you know, South America, whatever. The experiences of that time this fifties and sixties and forties, you know, sorry, I don't mean to tear That's it. all right. I think it's hugely right. important to have good men- mentors for our children. So, um, Moving on to
0: the next topic uh, before we take our, our half hour commercial break. Can't believe it's only been a half hour. It's been like, like three minutes just sitting up here. Um, but uh, on July 23rd, the Boston Bruins announced dates for the third annual fan fest Tour. I'm sorry, I think that's the 5th annual. No, it is the 3rd annual. I've got something else in my mind. Uh, which will visit 7 cities, different cities in 6 New England states from August 16th to the 25th uh, with the mission of growing the game of hockey throughout the region. Uh, this year, Portland, Maine will be a destination Friday, August 16th at Edward Payson Park from 2 to 6 p.m. Manchester, New Hampshire, Saturday, August 17th at Arms Park from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. Burlington, Vermont, Sunday, August 18th at Jeffords Hall Lot from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. Lemonster, Massachusetts, Thursday, August 22nd at Doyle Field from 12 p.m. to 4 p.m. Springfield, Mass, Friday, August 23rd at Forest Park from 12 to 4 p.m. Hartford, Connecticut, Saturday, August 24th at the Connecticut State Capitol from 12 p.m. to 4 p.m. And Providence, Rhode Island to end the Fan Fest tour, Sunday, August 25th at the Alex and Ari- Annie Center from 12 p.m. to 4 p.m. So Fan Fest is going on for the fifth straight season. That's the one I got. It's those damn numbers again. They always get messed up. But anyway... It's just another great opportunity for you to, um, for all New Englanders, to get involved because there's no excuse when this, when this team comes to your area or a part of your state. You should definitely be there. It's really fun for the kids. Um, I went to the last one, I believe it was last season, which ended at the Warrior Ice Arena in Brighton where the Bruins uh, do the development camp practices and, and, and their training facility. So um, it's a great event. Uh, sometimes there's players there, uh, sometimes there's uh, media personality, like uh, recently Jack Edwards was at uh, one of these uh, fan fest types of things for the playoffs, so um, yeah, it's, just, it's a good time, and uh, there's lots of things to, for the kids to do, um, and, uh, and my friend J.C. Guilford uh, will be uh, uh, giving ice cream, not giving away, but he's selling ice cream, uh, he was kind enough to give us tickets. To, uh, actually, you joined us uh, yes. to a game, so yeah, he gave us uh, four tickets. He loves the program, so hopefully he's still listening because we'd love to have that sweet deal next year. But uh, regardless, great ice cream, Power Play Fudge is really good. Um, so uh, definitely check it out and bring bring the uh, little Rugrats. I'm sure they're gonna love it. And if they, that's just another step forward into growing the game is is exposing your children to what the environment off the ice is and and uh, you know a Overall, on the ice, whatever I just said made I, no sense. Yeah,
1: I think it's important though to give you back to your fans and New England. You know, the Bruins are basically New England's team. I'm not saying there probably aren't some Rangers fans and some diehards that support Carolina because they won't let the Whalers go or things like that. But it's you know we take for granted that we take the train and then 45 minute train ride where. Literally underneath the garden, you know what I mean? And yeah. go into a game. But, I so mean, convenient. if you're a diehard in central Maine, it's a lot easier for you to go see and support the boys in Portland because yeah. you don't have to spend three hours of your life. Not that Bruins fans won't. I've certainly seen a colorful cast of whatever. It was so fun are in crazy 2011 folk. with the parade. i never forget when I took the picture of that guy. He had, like, an old Nordique, like the, you know, like the French-Canadian flag. But he had, like, the Bruin symbol instead of the Nordic. It was so cool. And I was not not to
0: interrupt you, but I, I, just, I just, when you said that we are, like, passionate fans and so on, did you know, I'm not sure because I'm not going to give the, the, this person credit or the publication of the credit,
1: um, but uh, we were ranked as the hockey's worst fans. I think people say that, but I don't believe they think it's just us there's a they Once say I... they say Philly's the worst fans too, yeah. and I would agree oh, I, I would agree that maybe Philly, but Bo- it's not that we're the worst fans, it's just we die diehard fans and we get angry you know we get some beers in us, and sometimes <laughs> you know <laughs> no I mean yeah, exactly, but to be fair, we will. At least the real fans out there, I don't, you know, no, I don't know. There are always bandwagon fans when teams are doing well, and that's right. for all sports, because for those of you who are not from the Boston area, you know, a lot of these people did not show uh, up until the Patriots won six years. Exactly. You know, like, that's a culture that has been grown. But... I don't think we're, I think we're one of the best cities. As a matter of fact, there's only a few cities, no offense to anyone out there, I'm not gonna name any names, but I would say it's on par as being one of the most awesome sports cities. I don't think we're bad fans, I think we love the sport. I think we're, I know, I personally, I mean, think about how many times you've been like, when, P.K. Subban was on Montreal, he'd be like, dude, I fucking hate that guy, but he's such a good defenseman, (laughs) that's why I hate him so much. Like, we give credit where credit is due, we're not like, I mean, maybe not, I mean, Bobby Orr's the greatest ever that ever lived in our own minds, and probably true, whatever, but we're not the asses I think people think we are. And I just can't believe that someone would say we're the worst. We're not the worst. We're the best. It's I'll probably, always have you back. My guess is... Can you is, hear my Jamie Langenbrunner story? There was no one else there, but I was still there. My guess and Marty is... Marty didn't even play. My
0: guess is it's probably from the Dispatch in St. Louis. <laughs> they have a, a knack of releasing stuff a little early. Um, uh, with that being said, we got one more uh, topic that I w- I'd like to uh, discuss. More or less, it's like this is just one of those informational kind of things to, to basically give you what you need to know about uh, what's going on this summer. You know, it's important to be with family and so on. So these opportunities are, are good. So uh, plus, it kills the off season, it goes faster. Like, like what we're doing right here is so we're killing time. So we're gonna take a quick break. Be right back with a uh, with this another little informational topic uh, that I have been neglecting to bring up the past couple weeks, but I think it's an appropriate time with, with a little bit of, uh, about two months away. So uh, we'll be right back. Passion, talent, development. NCAA hockey offers all that, and its players graduate at a 90% rate. Nick Bukestea. Backhand score! Wow, what a goal! David Backes. Go! Zach Parisi were stars on campus before the NHL stage. Whether you are a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey. Champions of the college hockey world. back from that much-needed break. I'm still loving this. This is just, I, I could really podcast up here all the time. I, I mean, even if it was raining, I could probably build a shack with, like, big-ass windows and just still sit up here. This is gorgeous. And, and some of the haze uh, I, I heard on the news this morning was, uh, was due to not only the heat that's coming in. But it's also due to some Canadian fires up up mm. north, so we're getting some of that smoke down here. So yeah, a
1: couple of years ago was Montreal. I think Ontario right now has a bunch going on.
0: Yeah, but no, it's this Hope is a you great. Guys are all right. This is a great area. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, God bless to all the firefighters up there and, and and the people that live in those areas that are affected. But uh, just a gorgeous, gorgeous view of Amesbury, Massachusetts, where, where Heather and I grew up. Um, I. I love this area new right next door the beach the atlantic ocean uh salisbury's so close by hampton it's just a great area and the seacoast is just unbelievable and we're only 40 minutes north 40 miles north of boston so it's a great area to grow up so if you're ever in the area check it out definitely i mean this is just a great this is bachelor park we're at top of the i and i said it earlier the highest point in Essex county in northeastern massachusetts so this is a lot of fun and I, i'm i'm really enjoying this this is I got a big old coffee from my friends over at Heavenly Donuts, so uh, this is just awesome. So, anyway, get back to uh, to the hockey talk and the updates. Uh, the Boston Bruins, this is all, I, I, I do have to mention that all the articles that I'm reading are coming from the bostonbruins.com website, so I'm definitely going to give them credit for it. So, I, I did a lot of copy and pasting, but, you know, it's information that, that benefits everybody, so... I
1: don't believe there's any copyright issues. <laughs> as long as you no, I think as long as you say, "Hey, my info is coming from that." Yeah, absolutely. Go so check out the original. As long
0: as they say it somewhere in the you're show, you're citing it. Yeah, That's but the the, uh, the Boston Bruins announced on July 24th that the team will again participate in the 2019 Prospects Challenge from September 6th to the 9th at Harbor Center in Buffalo. Uh, this marks the fifth consecutive year the, the Bruins have participated in the challenge. Uh, The Bruins' rookies will compete against the Buffalo Sabres, Pittsburgh Penguins, and the New Jersey Devils' rookies in a round-robin challenge featuring prospects from each team. The participating team will each play three games during the course of the event, which is being held entirely at Harbor Center. Um, Full participation roster for the Bruins will be announced at a later date, ticket to 10 bucks. If you happen to be in the area, Buffalo's Eye here is a great great place to go. I know you've been there yeah. a couple times. I was going to go to this Prospect Challenge. Uh me and my wife Courtney had had plans to attend and and with full media, you know, accessibility, but the the house hunting got in the way. So funds for a mini vacation to get some work done have been held back, so um, we need all available funds to put towards our, our new home and hopefully new black and gold podcast studio and office. So we are, yeah, we're definitely, we got a lot of things that are coming up this summer. This is going to be a great upcoming NHL hockey season for, for us as a, as a team. We have 17 writers, we have three podcasters. This is it, the growth is getting bigger and bigger. And if, if you're a writer and you want to jump on board, please send me an email at blackandgoldhockeyblog at gmail.com. Send me anything. You know, just if you're a passionate fan and you got a little bit of writing skills, I would definitely entertain talking to you about your availability and your commitment that you can and can't do. So just just reach out. You know, we're always looking to grow, and I think we get a good product. And I think we, you know, six thousand. Um, email subscribers think so too. So it, we're, just, we're just growing and we're looking for more people. So, uh, anyway, get back to this. Um, tickets are 10 bucks and available at the uh, Sabres box office at the Key Bank Center online at sabres.com or by calling 1 223 6000. So, the schedule is uh, Friday. All right, so let's step back a little bit. On Thursday, September 5th, the Boston Bruins are having their annual rookie camp. So that's when they spend one full day of training and on-ice sessions um, at the Warrior Ice Arena in Brighton, Massachusetts. Shortly after that, they are on a plane to Buffalo, which is only about an hour away. So they can um, get ready for the Prospects Challenge on Friday. So the schedule goes Friday, September 6th at the Harbor Center in Buffalo. Pittsburgh versus Boston at 3:30 p.m. And if you want to stick around, Buffalo and New Jersey play at seven uh, on Saturday, September seventh at Harbor Center in Buffalo, New Jersey versus Pittsburgh at 3:30. Buffalo versus Boston at 7 p.m. Sunday, September eighth uh, is a practice, Bruins practice, which is to be determined. And if I'm not mistaken, we the last season, I'm sorry, in 2018, we had two. Writers that went out to Buffalo and they said that practice is free, so you can go and watch that event. Um, and to finish up this whole festivities of the Prospect Challenge for the fifth straight year, on Monday, September 9th at the Harbor Center in Buffalo, Boston versus New Jersey at 9:30 a.m., Buffalo versus P- Pittsburgh at 12:30 p.m. So, if you want to get your Prospect fix on and want to do a short little getaway to Buffalo, New York. I highly suggest you go check this out. This is a great challenge. Uh, it's a great tournament. I really enjoyed my uh, time watching it. I stream. I find, I find ways to get links. So um, if there's hockey out there, I will definitely watch it or pay for it. I'm just a junkie, crazy junkie. So that is it for the topics. Yeah. Um, I think.
1: Do you want to talk about the rule changes or?
0: Yeah, why don't we just Let's jump say right that. into. Can the... I
1: just, these are just, I got to ponder. Can I find this little piece? I yeah. just want to run through these and see how you're feeling. Because I think these are all rules that are directly related to how we fucked it up in the playoffs. I don't know about <laughs> you, but. Uh, Absolutely. All this information comes from the NHL Public Relations Committee's article from a couple weeks ago, about a month ago, I guess. What do you, you know, these, you've looked over these rules? I have how a little bit, but I haven't paid okay.
0: really good attention. So
1: That's fine. I'll just have read it. That's why I cool. Well, I've already read it, and then I was going to highlight it. But if you look, all the highlighting is the whole entire thing. So let's just read it. So expansion of coaches challenge, because this is what they plan on doing, is that they're going to expand video review and enhance player safety initiatives, as well as promoting even more offense and flow in the game. Okay. We'll see how that goes with more. Yeah. All right. So the coach's challenge, which I didn't really like the way that we did the coach's challenge necessarily, but uh, then there's a new category for um, a third category that is if a goal calls on the ice that follow a play in the offensive zone that should have resulted in a stoppage of play but did not. So I guess an example would be like this. That involves hitting the specter netting, pucks that are high-sticked into it, to a teammate in the offensive zone, pucks that have gone out of play but are subsequently touched in the offensive zone and a hand pass that proceeds without stoppage of play ultimately concluded in the scoring of a goal.
0: Which 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 happened in the Toronto series.
1: Which happened in every se- that pretty much so, sounds like So it hit the, the net,
0: it comes down. Yeah. Everybody was just like, "Hey, it hit the net." Nobody was paying attention to the puck.
1: The officials say, the whistle, "Oh, we look for them as us." And
0: then a muffin gets sent over to Marner. I, I believe it was Marner. Yeah. Well, Matthews and then the,
1: I mean, that was just bull crap. Um, good on the one Toronto player that just kept playing like you were taught when you were little until the whistle blows, right? Yeah, bad on the official whose defense was, Well, we kind of depend on them to let us know. What there's you have one job, you're supposed to make sure that the okay, the puck is implemented, but that's not their job. So, because the players did not point up, even though. Nine out of the ten of them were staring up at the net, thought it was out of play, and you didn't call it. That goal counted. Okay, so that sounds like that kind of fixed that. Also, we got a little hand passage rule in there. Hello, have you been screwed? Too much? This, this, this yeah. is the St. Louis so, and
0: San Jose series. Yeah,
1: I'm just St. Louis, oh. Vegas. You know, like also that hand pass. You know, like or penalties. Then we'll get to the penalty reviews, right? So, anyways. Now it's not dependent on how many timeouts you have. It's dependent on just you can challenge whenever you want. You still can challenge for offsides and goalie interference. Obviously, those are the big ones anyways. But now, if you challenge and you're unsuccessful, you get a minor penalty. I know. Which I think is actually better because think of how many times... And this is just in any sport, right? Just because you ran out of your things, what if there's something egregious? You have no recourse to that? You know, You can yell and scream all you want or whatever? But you can't. Okay. So anyways, these are the consequences. It'll not be limited anymore to the team's timeout. It'll have escalating consequences. If you challenge and you are not successful, you get a minor delay of game. On the next one, you get a double minor delay of game for each subsequential. So you could challenge 18 times and you'll just have 18 two minutes or four minutes, depending on what you're going. What do you think about these things? Do you think that'll solve some of the issues? Well, it, what it will
0: do is it will definitely put the fear in coaches on what to question. They're like, you have to get it right. Mm. And now technology is going to have to get so much better on relaying the film to the iPad that the assistant coaches have mm. to really get this one right. Now, I'm going somewhere with this. Go. I'm right? Because Illinois, look how you were ready to jump (laughs) out.
1: No, the Suns right at my... So
0: that's going to be important. But that minor penalty and in a league that thrives on man-advantage goals, that's another game where you're going to want to shake the dice at because you need to get it absolutely right in such a short time. So it all comes down to information relay. Yeah. So to me, this is going to be really interesting to see. I think it's going to be really... Seen in the beginning, these rules are in effect October, correct?
1: Yeah. Yeah. All right. These are approved unanimously by board of directors, player safety, and the GMs.
0: I think by I think by the nature of learning anything new, I think there's going to be trials and tribulations in the beginning. So I think there's going to be a lot of effects, and you're going to see a lot. But as the season goes on, they're going to learn because you're going to have to, like in the playoffs. You don't want to be messing up like that in the playoffs. You definitely have to get it right. So. I was
1: astounded in all four rounds of the playoffs this year in both conferences of some of the things that were happening. Yeah. And I'm not saying, whatever, there were calls and not called. That kind of thing happened. That's part of a sport. But right? don't give not... me the
0: excuse it's playoff hockey.
1: Yeah. No, but I do. also also do believe that you let – I do think that you let them get a little more bumpy and grindy. I also believe you're the official, so you have to set very early what that standard is going to be so things don't escalate where you have Tory Krug, Ninja Chuken. across the board. Yeah, exactly. But at the same time, I don't want stoppage of play every two seconds because someone breathed on somebody too close either. You know, I mean, they're players, and they're going to do that just in the course of play. Like, for me, it's like if it's in the – yeah, it's fast. It's a little aggressive. Like you got to give a little leeway. That's part of how you play. But yes, I also don't want them being dangerous necessarily. And you know, right thing says that Toronto will continue to be responsible for initiating video review in the final minutes of regulation and overtime, and continue to have final authority on all coaches' challenges, video review decisions, with the input and input and consultation of the on-ice officials and former officials staffed in the situation room. This is, I think, that one will be all right for some of the little things. This one's the one I'm the next one coming up with referee's review of major match penalty calls and double minor high sticking penalties, i.e., Pavelski situation of who's getting the penalty. Uh, Was that even, you know, How many times have our team or someone else's team even you your player sticks your own player in the head and somehow my guy's in the box now because the ref thought that's who stick it was so this is what this next rule so major match penalties referees will be required to conduct an on ice video review for all major non-fighting penalties and match penalties they assess on the ice for the purchase purpose of quote confirming a penalty or reducing a penalty by two minute minor penalty referees shall not have the option to rescind a uh, called penalty altogether. See, that for me is like, so they can't even fix it if it's fucked up. So all you're doing is just deciding how many minutes it should be as opposed to you shouldn't get that penalty. Because if they've already given someone the penalty call, right, and they can't take it back, what is that really solving on that? Double minor high sticking. Referees will have the ability to conduct an on-ice review to confirm their original call on the ice. The stick was the stick causing the apparent injury, actually the stick of the player being penalized. These yeah. are discretionary Ugh. and not mandatory, though. So, so many, so many basically, times. Basically, you still can confirm to yourself that you made the right call because you don't want just, to just admit that you're right. Yeah. You don't want to slow the game down. Make the call right away. You make the call to review, you know, whatever. But
0: not only that, but on the YouTube video explanation of this that I did see because yes. I like video. Yeah. That's but funny. um, it, it was... I think the number was seventy-five yeah. percent of high sticking calls actually come from
1: your own player. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I can see like you got four dudes and sticks are flying. Yeah. Like you don't you're necessarily trying to stick know. Who's and it who's, misses, and it everyone's slaps got in the white face. gloves on. It I get it. Okay, <laughs> but what bothers me, and it's not about doing this. I think that's important because even if you are getting the penalty, I don't. You know, four in the box is different than two in the box, or maybe potentially ejecting someone. You know, but some people always say, too, it just because there's blood, does that equal whatever. So I think the first one will solve some of the little stupid issues, but the second one will not. This high, st- I think it's a little good, but really, if you can't rescind your bad call in the first place or whatever, what's the point? Right. The other ones are helmets now. If your helmet comes off, you either have to put it on with or without str- chin strap or get to the bench. Right away. That's what it said. I don't understand the without. How is that secure if you don't have your chin strap on?
0: All right. Explain to me, Heather. Okay. The Tory Krug situation. Okay. When he was pretty much gang raped in front of Tugarask and then lost his helmet in that by, which was not from him. No. It was obviously from the scrum of him and, I don't know, that, the, that player.
1: Well, I'm I not w- sure. I but, will tell
0: you. In that transition from him getting up off the ice and skating to make that awesome hit on Robert Thomas, I oh, did not name that name because so he's not so that smooth. A,
1: that was such a great... <laughs> get it? Yeah, I get, ah! I get you.
0: All right. Oh, but sorry,
1: Tar- tell me
0: you. that rule in those
1: aspects. Okay, I'll put it to you in this aspect. From now on, it is the player's responsibility, no matter how they lose their helmet, to either get it back on your head or get off the ice and switch out till you do. Unless you are in in the rule states, though, but if you are the player playing the puck and your helmet's off, you have reasonable time in which to finish your part of the play that's happening and then secure Not extended time. Right, not extended time. But if you are actually in on the play on the puck, you get a little bit of leeway on that as opposed to everyone else. You ask that, and I'll tell you why. Is that next time you take someone's helmet off, you're going to get a minor penalty for it. Because you don't want dudes pulling off each other's helmets and stuff and creating those situations where someone has to get off the ice or whatever. So that's what Safety the... Safety issue, too. Yeah. it. So the player has to comply. If the player does not comply within those rules, either secure it, get off, or if you're on the play in reasonable time, do those things, you get a penalty. If someone takes off your helmet, you get a penalty. Roughing. You get a roughing penalty. That's interesting. I don't know what the minor penalty will be called for, I guess, just... Helmet taking off, I guess. No, I think that would be, if you don't comply is,
0: by the, game, if you don't yeah, comply by that, the rules, it's, it a it's a game. delay of
1: game. I yeah. just mean, it they, their particular article, they didn't name it. But all the language of these are still being right, worked out, I'm sure, right. with the committee. So that's what the recourse is in that. Tory Krug would have ended up with a two-minute, and he would have had a two-minute for taking off. Who was that? I can't even think of who it was he was wrestling. Was that Peron? who I hate? Was it him? Peron. Perone. (laughs) Perone. That's what I think he is because he's like a Vita. Don't cry for me. I hate that, dude. Sorry. Uh, Anyways, that's how that's going to be. Also, uh, line changes for the defensive team. The defensive team will not be permitted a line change when a goalie freezes the puck on any shot from outside the center red dot. Similarly... Or similarly, sorry, I can't read. I'm dyslexic. If the actions of the skater of the defensive team causes a stoppage by unintentionally dislodging the net from its moorings, the defensive team will not be permitted to make a line change. In both of these instances, the offensive team will have the choice of which end zone dot the faceoff will take place in. That's kind of interesting. Yeah, that, the whole... Choice?
0: <laughs> I like that. I mean, that's like a full advantage. Like, yeah. You might as well just put it in the goal.
1: Uh... <laughs> You're like, who's on the ice right now? Yeah, well... Go over on the right side there. (laughs) That's good. Right. Uh, They also have face face office Face-offers, yeah. face as Hey, you might want to edit that out. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Face-offs following an icing or to begin a power play. Following an icing as well as the beginning of any power play, the offensive team will have the choice of which end zone dot. Face-off. Well, it will take off. And same thing as the defensive line zones. Awarded goal. This one I thought was kind of funny. If the goal post is deliberately displaced by a goaltender during the co- course of a quote-unquote breakaway, <laughs> a goal will be awarded to the non-offending team. So your goalie dislodges your net and you get the goal anyway? That's or is funny. that you just can't pull it back because the net was dislodged? That one, I can't <laughs> wait to see the actual language on because...
0: not Wow, those. that's...
1: Um, it's like a weird one to me, like I'm good and I'm a big bad fan
0: thing. of those videos. Yeah, like, absolute big fan. That you know that you're absolutely defeated and you can't stop it. Mm-hmm. So let's try this.
1: Yeah, I just like <laughs> break a course of a break. Yeah. Didn't Lundqvist do that? Uh, everybody, every smart goaltender I in think, the history of ever has just launched their own net. I know it
0: happened in the AHL. I don't remember that goalie. I think it was the Rochester Americans or something like that.
1: God, my memory's so bad. But yeah,
0: just watch it. Anyway. All right, Continue.
1: so pucks out of bounds. This is the last one. Sorry to bore you, but I just wanted to say these out loud for those of you who may not know that these... Every year there are new rules, obviously, but these are the ones that are coming out of, basically, the playoff situation last year. Pucks out of bounds. When the attacking team is responsible for the puck going out of play in the attacking zone, in all instances, the face-off will be conducted at one of the two face-off dots in the attacking zone. That doesn't... See, that. these are all... I, uh, I... Like somewhat
0: understand what, what you read, but I'm going to have... Not well, very sorry. I'm going to... No, no, no. I'm, it's not that I wasn't paying attention, but it's just so much to soak in. Yeah. But for me, in my whole brain and thinking ways, I want to see it called to really get a depiction of what that rule actually means. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Very hands-on and kind of the eye test kind of yeah. person when it comes to stuff like that and in, in my learning curve. So... All of those are going to be certainly very interesting on how they're used, what, what it could cut down. Ultimately, I really do think that these rules are an attempt to speed the game up, not create longer games. The three-hour, three-and-a-half, four-hour games of yesteryear are well over. Transportation plays such a huge role these days in,
1: in really you know, lining up appropriate times to get home after a game. Um, can I just say something? Because you had mentioned about the video thing on the major match penalty ones with the ref. It said that the rest will be provided all available video review on their own calls, but won't be consulted from Toronto with respect to their review. That's kind of weird to me, too. Oh, that's very and great. so is the double minor for high sticking. Is it's at their discretion and not mandatory, and they don't have to consult Toronto. I think, for me, I think to speed it up, Toronto should be streamlining everything. I, like, I think it's so, not too. that I think the ref, as certain things, yes, they can just look at whatever, like, there's so much technology just in the building to get yeah. all the angles, you don't necessarily, but I do think Toronto should have, and we talked about this, right, what was the solution with the thing, and I think one of the things should be, every single game has one person in Toronto that has the right to call down to ice and say, can bring it back, or mm. whatever, yeah. you know what I mean, not to, di- not to go against the officials on the ice, but there are two dudes in a fast-paced game, or whatever, and... I mean, the refs, everyone's screaming, right? Players want the call they want. Coaches want the call they want because God knows your player never did it. You know what I mean? Right. Who's ever been like, damn it, why didn't you call my guy? Didn't you see him slash, you know, whatever? I don't know. I just think that that's weird to me that there would be without. I can see if it's going to keep discretionary because you don't want to. I mean, they are professional friggin' refs, and if yes. maybe sometimes they let them know the rules more than eight weeks before they're implementing them, they could, like you said, they don't have any video to decide what these are. But I think some of these rules, I need to see the language. Like, I like that goal, like, you dislodge your net on the breakaway, okay? Right. Like, what see, exactly is a breakaway? Because, like, I watched Brad Marchand technically create a breakaway by trying to do a line change for no reason. Ten seconds left in a period. You know what I mean? Like, was, is that a breakaway? You're by yourself. It's see, just you and the goaltender.
0: To me, life is about help. Everybody needs a hand. Yeah. Everybody needs a second pair of eyes. You cannot score a goal without getting an assist. Yeah. Well, actually, you can. Very you can have an though. unassisted goal. I Very get it. All right? I'm going ahead of myself. But anyway... Why not have that assist? Why not have that second pair of eyes in Toronto for all situations? Why I, the the whole discretionary thing on? Let's leave it to the NHL referees to figure it out on their own. That's one thing that I have a problem with, because if if it comes down to a situation that that happens and it goes against something that was totally freaking wrong, and the game resulted in a win for you know what I mean. Mm-hmm.
1: Who's there to help? Well, and it's the only sport that there isn't the big brother overseeing the major reviews of things, right? Like the NFL, all of the footage is the NFL, and the NFL provides the... And I'm not... Again, you should have access. I mean, every building's got at least 20 different angles, and that's fine if you want to review the footage only in the building, right? But I don't understand not... Especially, like, major penalties. Someone in Toronto should be... Like, if you... I don't understand what's the point if you can't change your call or whatever. And it's not about that you can't do your job. It's about helping you do your job, right? We all use something as an assistance because yep. there is a lot going on. If there's two dudes about to get in a scrum and you turn as a human to watch this because your job is to make sure they're not hurting each other or whatever, you might miss something over there. So I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing to, I mean, you have to take your eye off the plate for one second, you know? Yeah. And I do think most officials are trying to do their job fair and impartial. That's what the, it's like a judge or anything else. Like That's their job. But it's just a lot going on, and yeah. it doesn't make them weak. It just makes them very busy in what's going on. A lot of processing very fast. They are extra skaters. There's a lot of things going on.
0: But it also goes back to the, what we talked about earlier in the show, that you have, there's a fine line. It's either you abide by the rules of the regular season, continue into the playoffs with the same mentality.
1: See, I'm sick there's, of that. I'm, I'm
0: just the narrative of this regular season hockey and this playoff hockey, and there's no in between.
1: Okay, na- but that's my point: is the narrative that like they don't just let them play in the regular season too is also bullshit. Everyone, it's not like there's such a magical difference. I do understand they let them play more in the playoffs, and I do think they should play more in the playoffs. Like, let again, like the little things you might call in October or November. Maybe you're not calling necessarily come April, you know? But big things are always the same. Pucks going out of the is always the same. Someone slashing someone in the face is always the same. Like these things are, are high sticking, I'm sorry, technically. But really, all a high stick is slashing someone in the face, really, let's be honest, right? It's not that big of a discrepancy. Everyone makes it like, oh, everyone's always up and up and everyone's on the up and up at and every <laughs> single game and no one ever lets like calls go and things all regular season. For 82. 82- games everyone just plays so gentlemanly hockey, and everything's perfect drama. and it's lovely and then all of a sudden these officials lose their goddamn minds on April 8th yeah you know why because now the stakes are five times higher they've got a lot going on you have all the emotion of the players on the ice your emotions the emotions in the building the emotions of the whole entire league we gotta make money we gotta get viewers we gotta get whatever whatever I would argue bad calls actually draw in viewers because people are like, what the fuck is going on in the NHL? Sorry right. about my language. Hope your sponsor doesn't nah, get mad right. here. We have, but, we have
0: an uh, explicit material. Okay, good. Because
1: I'm, a, I'm mad and now you know the F-bomb comes. But I'm just saying that, it's not as if there is that big of a discrepancy. I think people make a big deal out of it more. And only if we didn't have all these bad calls in the playoffs, no one would even be saying that. would be like, oh, that was intense, great playoff hockey. But because so many people got fucked on so many levels, just little things, big things, giant things that literally could have changed or did change maybe, you know, right. the course of the playoffs. Now it's all, oh, my God, I just can't believe they let them do this. You know, whatever. My thing with, like, the Tory crew kit, which... I just, oh God, it's beautiful. I'm just replaying it in my head right now. But at the same time, the officials should have never let it get to the point that Tory Crew didn't have his helmet on and Tory Crew got up, looked where the puck was, and decided to put himself back in the play. You know, to Rob Thomas not so smooth looking up like, holy. (laughs) 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 Like, I don't want to hear he didn't see Tory Crew coming because he saw him coming in the same way. You know, if you're going to make that argument, then stop making the argument that Nolachari saw. Dude coming behind oh, him yeah. too That didn't yeah. make him not get Like right. slew footed You know yeah, what I mean Yeah was like,
0: a clear slew footed
1: Yeah And I get like You can debate on hits But the official's primary job Is to not let them Get that far in the first place Where helmets are off Dude's making a change Because he's a pussy And doesn't want to get hit right. And then your teammate Takes one for the team By getting leveled In front of The whole town crowd
0: That was awesome
1: Alright Sorry I just wanted to Bring up the rule changes You want to take a no, break No that's fine And then we'll fine. get to the fun part Yeah Nice so Let's, uh, let's take go it in the shade Because it's hot It's getting hot
0: up. Yeah um, we'll be back. Definitely, definitely. We will be back. We're going to relocate because I am like frying
1: in the, uh, the sun. Well, yeah. if anything. We're a little closer to the sun, so you know. Yeah, well, yeah, I just, cool. we're so high up, I can see the ocean. I can see Maine. I can see Seabrook, even though yep. it's hazy. Hello, Hampton Beach. All Hello, right. French Canadian. We
0: will take a quick break and be right back. Hey, Black and Gold Hockey podcast fans. Unfortunately, we had to end the episode after that last break. Oh, we certainly apologize for that and the technical issues um the mobile studio got a little hot out there today so when i came in and uh and started editing the show i noticed that we only recorded nine minutes of the q a that heather and i were going to do but we're going to save that for another another show another episode probably next week um or we'll try to get it done this week and add it to the show so regardless we are going to do that again because it was a lot of fun and um I just want to thank Heather uh, for her time. Again, she's been a real trooper in trying to get the content out for me and, uh, and just being a really solid uh, person to bounce ideas off of and bring with hockey talk. So it's been a lot of fun so far, and hopefully you guys have enjoyed it because um, we are definitely thinking about continuing and adding on two more members to the podcast team. Um, if the, anybody's interested in joining us, uh, please uh, send me an email, blackandgoldhockeyblog at gmail.com. Um, if you can, if you live in the southern New Hampshire, northeastern part of Massachusetts, and you're interested in traveling to do in-person, um, you know, co-hosting on a regular basis, please let me know. We're, we're looking for more help, and also looking for more help at the blackandgoldhockey.com website. Uh, we're looking for multiple levels of coverage uh, from the NHL down to the prospects, playing and developing around the world. So if you're interested in that part of uh, joining our team. We're looking for, we're definitely looking for people. So uh, send, uh, send me an email. S- find me on Twitter. I'm at Black and Gold 277. Uh, you can find the podcast at Black and Gold Pod. Um, but before we leave for another episode, we'd like to thank our faithful listeners. And please ask that you all leave a five-star rating, a review, and subscribe to our Black and Gold Hockey Podcast on Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio, Podbean, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, or any other podcast platform you currently use. We'd also like to thank today's show sponsor, betonline.ag. And as a reminder, please go to clnsmedia.com slash Bruins and use code CLNS50 to get 50% back after first deposit. For myself, Mark Allred, and Heather Ingerson, we say goodbye for another show and look forward to episode 139 sometime in the next week. And have plans to talk to talk Bruins prospects with Rogers TV color analyst up in Canada, Craig Eagles, as he covers hockey prospects in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League in the Canadian Maritimes. So he's very familiar with uh, prospect Jacob um, Lauco and uh, Samuel Asleen that recently signed a free agent contact with the Providence Bruins and some camp invites um, that are coming uh, this summer for the uh, rookie camp uh, set for september 5th so uh, stay tuned for that regardless we hope all of our listeners and families stay safe for the upcoming week and thanks again for listening take care everybody